It looks more like a ghost ship run aground, abandoned by the falling tide. But we're some nine miles from the sea, and this collection of hulking hardware, metal beams, and concrete blocks is hardly, hardly seaworthy. The remaining corrugated metal sheets rot from the skeleton's frame. Its days look numbered. Each drop of rain, each gust of wind, each 12-hour period of sunlight weathers its life expectancy. As the foxtails sprout up from the ground and the tumbleweeds catch on the galvanized gray of the chain-link fence, it's as if all nature has gathered for the funeral of this place. But it used to be something. In 1932, the state of California purchased some 2,000 acres of the Lewis Ranch and built the Camarillo State Mental Hospital. It operated from 1936 to 1997. There at the hospital in its heyday in the mid-1950s, they treated as many as 7,000 patients at one time. Then, uh, as they continued to develop new, uh, new practices, new therapeutic ways of treating people, they were discovering new things, innovative things, uh, treating cases that were considered untreatable before. One of the practices they developed was a simple dairy farm. Here the patients learned to grow vegetables and to care for livestock. It was a way of providing their therapy. It was a way of also feeding the hospital and providing an additional source of income. But then in the 1960s, the dairy was disbanded. It's milk, like the structures left to spoil. Today, some people call it haunted. They call it a place of paranormal activity, but I, I don't know. But I do know this, the so-called scary dairy serves as a reminder of a thing that used to be something until it stopped. It's kind of like faith. Without action, it leads to a broken down life. Today, as we continue our Faith Works sermon series, our study in the book of James, we've been exploring this how-to manual for the Christian life. We, we've talked about trials, we've talked about temptations and tempers and how to tell the truth. Well, today as we continue, we're going to explore how faith without action leads to a broken down life. But action makes faith complete. So if you would turn with me in your Bibles to James chapter 2, verse 14. It says, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? A lifeless faith is a non-saving faith. It's a type of faith that, uh, that can't do anything. In order for faith to be complete, it needs to be active. It has to have an expression of action. 
You see, we, without action, the faith, it, it simply becomes dead and empty and useless. A collection of hooking hardware, metal beams and concrete blocks surrounded by a chain-link fence, uh, only good for time and the elements to decay, to bring it down and break it to nothing. How can that kind of faith save anyone? It certainly can't. It's a lifeless, non-saving faith. It's an empty experience of hollow words and fiction. It's a terrible testimony of a life that's just not worth living. It's nothing close to what we were created for. For faith without action, it leads to a broken down life. Here you no longer hear the the sounds of cows mooing, the activity of farming, watering, and planting, and harvesting has halted. It's lifeless, and without that action, it's become a place of ghost stories and graffiti. You mentioned the scary dairy to anyone who grew up around here, and everybody's got a story to tell. But I bet you their stories have more to do with ghosts than growing vegetables. I bet you their stories have more to do with demons than a dairy farm, more to do with paranormal activity than patients developing independence through therapeutic practices. Because that's what happens to a thing that once was something, but it stopped. It falls into lifeless disrepair, a place for graffiti and ghost stories. And the same goes for our faith. Without action, it falls into lifeless disrepair. The text continues in verse 15 and 16. Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing. Imagine that they stand there, half-starved and dressed in rags. There's the putrid stench wafting from their oily scalp, their underarms. They open their mouth to speak, and you really wish they wouldn't, because it's gag-inducing. But they stand there, and you can see the hunger. You see the weakness and the desperation in their bones. They stand there and and you see their desperate need. You see the, the ripped open jeans, the Swiss cheese shirt, the split open shoes and and James says, and you say goodbye and have a good day. Stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? Well, Clearly nothing. That's faith without action. How can we even call that faith? And yet, I pass by. I pass by and I I see the hunger and I see the need and I meet that hunger and I meet that need without action. And when I do, something inside of me snags and tears and begins to break. For faith without action leads to a broken down life. But I think Larry Osborne said it best. 
He said, remembering those in need means doing what I can to help. Verses 17 and 18. So, so you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless, like a dairy disbanded. It's milk, like the structures left to spoil. Now, someone may argue some people have faith, others have good deeds. Like, oh yeah, some are just called to the action sort of thing, you know. I'll handle the faith department. I'll handle that. I don't want to get my hands dirty, so to speak. You handle the actions department, okay? Really? Really? James corrects that sorry logic, saying... How can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. It's faith and action, action and faith. How can we understand this? There's a, a comparison that James draws here about faith with a, without action leading to a broken down life. In verses 19 through 20, a quick comparison. You say... You have faith, for you believe that there is one God. This is the first line of a Jewish profession of faith called the Shema Yisrael. It's a very famous prayer. It's the first prayer that a young Jewish child learns. It's the first prayer, if you're a Jewish person, that you say when you wake up. It's the last prayer you pray before you go to sleep. It's the final prayer you say if you're a Jewish person before you die. It comes straight from Deuteronomy 6, 4. And it goes like this, Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. James says, good for you. Good for you. Wow, you can even say it in Hebrew. Awesome. Seems like you're, you're kind of special. Because then you go and live a complacent life of faith without action. Good, good for you. Check this out. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. Like, wait, what? Did James just compare me to a demon? Well, well yeah. You believe that there is one God, good, good for you. You can, you can recite the Shema Yisrael, good for you, but you don't live it out. <laughs> Even the demons do that, and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? It's dead, it's empty, it's useless. It's like sheets of corrugated metal rotting from a skeleton's frame. You can't cut faith and action in two and end up without a corpse. It's faith and action, action and faith. You need both in tandem, together, united as one. It's faith and action, action and faith. Without that, you end up with a corpse. Speaking of corpses, or at least pretty close to one, verses 21 through 24, 
Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? It's a crazy story from the Old Testament. CPS should have gotten involved earlier on in the story. But from an outsider's perspective, it looks like Abraham has just has lost it. He's had this break with reality. He hears God telling him to sacrifice his one and only son, the son he's waited 25 years for. And so he obeys. And then the scene unfolds, and there he is. His young son Isaac is bound up, and, and there on the altar, and Abraham wields a knife about to, to make a corpse out of his son Isaac. And an angel of the Lord calls out to him, Abraham, Abraham, don't harm the child. I see now you fear God. And we see in Abraham's story of faith, as James recaps it, you see his faith and his actions work together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened just as the scriptures say, Abraham believed God and God counted him righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Yeah, but I I thought we were saved by grace through faith. That it's nothing that we could have ever done or could do now or could do in the future that could make us worthy enough to save us. I thought it was all about confessing with our mouth and believing in our heart that Jesus is Lord. Well, yeah, yeah, but that confession, that believing, that that full trust in Jesus, it requires action because that's what it all is, an expression of faith and action. You can't have one without the other. You can't cut faith and action apart and end up without a corpse. It's faith and action, action and faith. So then the question becomes, what's more important, faith or action? Well, yeah. It's like asking the question, which blade in a pair of scissors is more important? It's faith and action, action and faith. For faith without action, it leads to a broken down life. But action makes faith complete. And so I think about our lives and and how is this playing out? Well, would your neighbors, would your neighbors know your faith because of your action? You know, they see you mowing the lawn. They see you taking out the trash and bringing in the mail. They see you coming to their aid in a time of need. Yeah, they see your action and faith your faith in action. Well, how about, how about your parents? Would your parents know without a doubt your faith because of your action? They see that you're telling the truth. They trust what you say and, and who you're with and what you're doing. They see your faith in action, your action in faith. Or how about your kids? How about your kids? Would they know without a doubt your faith because of your action. That you're the same at church as you are at home. 
You're the same at the soccer field as you are at the grocery store. Your action and faith and faith and action is clear to see. Or how about, how about your coworkers or classmates? Would they know without a doubt your faith because of your action? They see you on a daily basis working hard, putting it all out there, self-sacrificing, being kind and gentle and caring and loving and helpful, putting their needs above your own. Would they know without a doubt your faith because of your action? I hope so. I hope they see your action and faith, your faith and action. For faith without action leads to a broken down life but action makes faith complete. Verse 25 says, Rahab the prostitute is another example. I love how how James picks two individuals who are really jacked up to make his point, to bring his point across. First, you've got Abraham, the former pagan, nomadic, pretend my wife is my sister, to get out of sticky situations. Also, I'm going to take matters into my own hands and make a mess type of a guy. And then you've got Rahab, the Jericho prostitute, the harlot. But the strangest thing is that both of these individuals are in the, are in the lineage of Jesus according to Matthew chapter 1. And rightly so. Rahab the prostitute is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions. When she hid those messengers, or you must mean Israelite spies, and sent them safely away by a different road. The story in Joshua 2 is one of treason. But Rahab, she risks her own life to save the lives of these Israelite spies. She actually betrays her own people and the gods that they worship because she's found the one and true God. And she's made that God her own. Her faith and action, action and faith. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. Faith without action leads to a broken down life. But action makes faith complete. This is actually my first time out here to the so-called scary dairy. I've grown up here. I've lived here my whole life. My, My grandmother for some time actually worked at the hospital down the road. But it's hard for me to think back about what did this place look like 60 or 70 years ago. What was the experience? It's hard. Perhaps it's because maybe we've been poisoned by the ghost stories and graffiti. Perhaps our thoughts are dominated by by ghosts rather than growing vegetables. More about uh, demons instead of a dairy farm. More about paranormal activity rather than patients developing independence through therapeutic practices. Apart from the folklore and legend of this place, I think the saddest part is that what we see is a thing that used to be something until it stopped. And that's the saddest part about our faith, how maybe it used to be something until it stopped. 
It's become lifeless, dead, empty, useless. But faith, without action, it leads to this broken down life. However, action makes faith complete. And so maybe it's going to require an entire renovation. Maybe, maybe it needs a complete overhaul, a complete demo of the hulking hardware and metal beams and, and concrete blocks. Maybe it takes even tearing through the foundation of everything you know and believe and hold to be true because it's not working right now. It never has. Because faith without action, it's dead. It leads to a broken down life. So maybe you just need to say, God, I need you. And I need something new, something real, something tangible. Because none of this is working. This faithless, actionless experience, it's, it's got me dead and useless and empty. So then what do we do? I think an important place where we can go is, is Romans. Romans is a, a letter in the New Testament written by a guy named Paul. If you don't know where it's at in your Bible, you can go to the table of context. Uh, the table of contents, you can go look it up online. Romans chapter 12. And I think that reading this every single day would be a good choice, a good decision to read it every single day until it becomes the foundation, until it becomes the hardware and beams and concrete blocks of faith and action alive in your life. Romans chapter 12, verse 9 says, Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you. But conquer evil by doing good. Would you pray with me? God, I pray that you would help us to be the people that you have called us to be, people of faith and people of action, that these two ideas would not be separate in our lives, in our minds, in our bodies, in our souls, in our spirits, that these would be united as one. For those who need a restart today, I pray they would just pray, God, come into my life, rework, redo, 
renovate what needs to be fixed. I don't want an old, broken down life. I want something new and vibrant. So God, I pray if someone wants that new, vibrant life, that real life for the very first time, that they would pray, Jesus, would you come in? I invite you into my life and I ask that you would have your way because I believe you died on the cross and you rose from the grave. So I don't have to live this old, broken down life. Give me a faith experience, an action experience that is united as one pursuing you, following you all the days of my life. We love you, Lord, and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.